0: Welcome to 30 Minutes from KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. My guest today is Ron Barber. As we ring in the new year, we are approaching the 10-year anniversary of the shooting that took place on January 8, 2011 at Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords' Congress on Your Corner event in Tucson. Ron Barber was Gabrielle Giffords' district director at the time of the shooting and was seriously wounded. He later represented Southern Arizona from June 2012 to January 2015. Ron currently serves on the board of the January 8th Foundation. A commemorative ceremony will take place on January 8th, dedicating the memorial at the historic County Courthouse created for the victims, survivors, and first responders of the Tucson shooting that claimed six lives. Because of the ongoing pandemic, The event may be viewed on Pima County's Facebook page. Ron had a a lengthy social services career before he was in the political realm. Welcome. Thank you for being here today and taking the time to reflect on this event that I'm sure has shaped your life and has shaped Tucson. Let's talk about how you became involved with Gabrielle Giffords.
1: Well, I first met uh, then a state representative and later state senator, uh, Gabrielle Giffords, when she was in the uh, legislature and I was the state director for uh, a state agency called the Division of Developmental Disabilities. I was the director of the program statewide. And uh, we would hold uh, periodically uh, meetings with legislators so that parents and people with disabilities could come and talk about their issues and kind of make their pitch for why there should be better funding and legislation and all of that. And that's where I first met Congresswoman, later Congresswoman Giffords. She came um, along with other members of the legislature and they listened to the families and uh, interchange exchanged information with them. And then, and this is the, the unique thing about the, Gabby, uh, when everybody else left, all the legislators, they did their bit, they left, she stayed. And that was unusual because, you know, people who are in elected positions are always fleeing off to some meeting or another, but she had already carved out enough time to stay. And what really impressed me tremendously was her interest in knowing the personal story of the people that came to meet with her. Uh, the family members, the parents, siblings and all, all that, but also and more importantly, in fact, the people with disabilities who had come to talk about their experiences and how difficult it was uh, without supports from the state of Arizona. So that impressed me tremendously. I didn't, by by the way, she also asked great questions. Um, a lot of she'd done her homework and she knew exactly what to talk about. So I was really, really impressed. I mean, because that was just a very compassionate and caring thing to do. Then in 20, uh, it 2006, 2005, I should say, uh, State Senator Giffords decided to run for Congress in the seat that was being vacated by 22-year uh, long uh, member of Congress, uh, Jim Colby. And so uh, when I heard that she was going to do that, Um, I remembered how impressed I'd been with her. So she and I ended up talking by phone for quite a long time uh, in December of 2005 as she was getting ready to launch her campaign for Congress. And end of story, I I started uh, as a volunteer on her campaign, uh, and then she appointed me to be the outreach director on her campaign. And for the next year, uh, 2006, I worked alongside her and the other members of the campaign team uh, to get her elected, and uh, she, of course, was a tremendous candidate and she was elected by a significant margin in 2006, in November, took her seat in Congress in 2007. And in December of 2006, she asked me to become her district director. That's how I ended up working for her as a member of Congress.
0: The event that you were doing, the Congress on Your Corner, is that something that was a routine event that you did for the district as part of your outreach?
1: Right. We, we held Congress on Your Corner events. Um, uh, Gabby had insisted that we find various ways for her to connect directly, personally. Just as like she had done back when she was a state senator uh, to, to contact come into contact with the people she represented. She always said, and I've used that term many times ever since I was in Congress, that the uh, the title uh, representative is not just a title. It's actually a job description, meaning you need to represent the people that 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 you serve that you serve, whether they voted for you or not. And that representation includes having personal contact and being accountable to them. So with the 21st uh, Congress on Your Corner event was held on January 8th, 2011, just four days after she'd been sworn in to her third term. And it was at that event that the tragic shooting took place. Do you want me to dive into um, what happened that morning?
0: Sure, if you're whatever you feel comfortable.
1: Actually, you know, some people ask me, Can I talk about this? And said, is it okay? And the fact of the matter is that it's really okay. Uh, I've been talking about it now for 10 years and uh, I do it, and I'll explain why in a few minutes. Of what why I have tried to be very public about my experience and what happened that, that morning. So it was January the 8th, 2011. Uh, it was a very crisp. Tucson morning, kind of like we had this morning uh, as we woke up uh, and it, uh, the Congress in corner events always started at 10 o'clock. Gabby and I arrived at about five minutes to 10 and she said, let's go. And so we did. And uh, 10 minutes into her event is when the shooting started. Um, She was, uh, she had met with one constituent, uh, an army reservist who was coming to show off an award he'd received and take a picture. And then a couple stepped up, Jim Tucker and his wife, and they started talking with uh, the Congresswoman. And at that very moment, I noticed um, across the table from us, uh, the table was there to have literature. I saw uh, Judge John Roll, chief judge of the Arizona Court, uh, federal court system And uh, John and I had gone to school together back at the U of A in the 60s, and I knew him from then. And he uh, just a wonderful man, just a fantastic uh, judge, uh, really believed in justice and due process. He was a liberal Democrat in college, but he became a very conservative Republican uh, in his later years. Uh, While he and I may not agree on policy, we certainly agreed on how you should treat people. He a very compassionate and caring person. Anyway, he showed up that morning and I saw him across the table and I said, walked over as I, you know, standing behind Gabby, I walked over to him and said, John, so nice to see you. He said, yes, I came to say thank you to the Congresswoman because she had sent a letter that previous week to the Ninth Circuit in San Francisco supporting his request for an emergency rule that allowed him to have uh, more time to try defendants then the law allowed 80 days is what the law required. He was running out of time. He had, didn't have enough judges. Uh, the immigration cases were piling up. So he came as he always went to mass in the morning. So he came from mass and I said to him, you know, the Congresswoman is busy right now, but if you want to step over here, as soon as she's done talking to these folks, I know she'll want to say hi. And he did. Uh, and at that very moment is when the shooter came around and started uh, discharging his bullets. What happened in the next less than 20 seconds uh, was just absolute chaos and mayhem. Uh, The shooter discharged 33 bullets from an extended magazine. And uh, that all happened in 19.6 seconds. And the only way we know that is because there was actually a surveillance camera above us right at the entrance to the Safeway, which is where we were having the event. And we've seen that now four or five times and, and the uh, the police and others can you know, determine how long the shooting took. So less than 20 seconds, 33 bullets. Some hit people multiple times, six people died. 13 of us were wounded. Gabby, I think you'd have to say the most seriously wounded. She almost died that day were it not for the fantastic surgeons at UMC at the time. Uh, I don't know uh she would not be with us I'm convinced of that they just took good care and I, and I almost died on the ground with the two bullets that I received one to my thigh which severed my uh my uh my vein and nicked the nerve and then the one to my face which could have been disastrous ended up being uh a lucky hit if you will We were lucky in some ways, as awful as that day was, because our shooter bought target shooting bullets, not the bullets that blow up inside of you. And they're cheaper. And so some of the people who survived, survived because of that. The shot to my face would have blown my face off had it been a regular sort of uh, exploding bullet, but this, this one wasn't. So I saw Gabby shot. Uh, And then the shooter turned his uh, gun on me and John and others. And uh, John was killed, John Roll, uh, with a bullet right through his artery and through his back. And then the next thing I remember is Gabe Zimmerman, my deputy, who was killed, 30 years old, wonderful young man, uh, fell at my feet. I saw right away from his face that he was dead. Uh, On the other side of me, John Roll was deceased and on the other side of me and Gabe was Gabby, who was down and still breathing. And I could tell that she was still alive. So we were um, taken to the hospital, to UMC. I was flown there by helicopter. Gabby went by ambulance. Um, We were the first uh, two people who survived to get to the hospital. Christina was the first to go there. Christina Taylor Green, the nine-year-old child who was killed. Um, she had probably died at the scene, but she was taken to the hospital to see if they could revive her and they were unsuccessful. So, but I credit the doctors, uh, at UMC, uh, in the trauma center, Dr. Reed, Dr. Freeze, Dr. Lamolle, all of these, uh, incredible surgeons saved lives that morning, uh, through surgery and, uh, placement in ICU, which is where I was. Gabby and I were on the same floor, just a few doors down from one another. And so that's how it started. And, you know, people who were there that morning, the only people I really knew were my staff, um, but the others were people that we'd never really encountered before. And then, since that time, we've become friends with many of them. It's a strange club that we're in, those of us who survived a mass shooting. Nationally, of course, there are thousands of people who have either survived or have had relatives wounded or killed. It's a club none of us want to be part of, but it is. And being in that network uh, has allowed us to support one another. And whenever there's a terrible shooting, again, we typically reach out to people in that city or that community and offer our support. And I did that, for example, when I was in Congress, when the Navy Yard shooting took place and we had several members of the uh, civilian uh, employees of the Navy uh, were killed that morning by a lone shooter. I went back when I was a member of Congress and sat with many of those individuals who survived just to let them know that I I could understand what they were going through, not only in that terrible moment of the shooting, but also subsequently as they were recovering. So uh, I, the Navy told me that these folks had never talked about the shooting before. When they had a sympathetic ear from someone who knew what it was like, they opened up, and that was the beginning of their healing, I think. So that's the kind of work that many of us do still, and fortunately, we haven't had any real awful mass shootings in a long time because of COVID. But, you know, when when they do occur, we're there for the people, particularly uh, in late 2010, uh, 10, I guess it was, or it's 2011. I can't remember exactly which year it was, but Sandy Hook uh, shooting happened. All those beautiful young children were killed. And uh, so we reached out to the folks in Connecticut and tried to help them through their grieving
0: process. You're listening to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. My guest today is Ron Barber and we are approaching the 10-year anniversary of the shooting that took place on January 8th, 2011 at Congresswoman Gabrielle Gifford's Congress on Your Corner event. Ron Barber was Gabrielle Gifford's district director at the time. Talk about what transpired throughout the course of your healing from this event?
1: Well, the one thing we can say and all of us who are survived and the families whose uh, relatives were killed can say is that the Tucson community rose up in great compassion and and comfort to all of us. Uh, I was in the ICU uh, when my family and I were talking about is there something we could do to make this terrible, not Tucson-like at all event uh, change the tone, change the direction of our community? And so we came up with the idea of establishing a nonprofit organization called the Fund for Civility, Respect, and Understanding. And the title was chosen very deliberately because we felt that The lack of civility that had crept into uh, public life was part of the reason why people were so angry with one another. We believe it's also why some people committed violent acts. I don't think that's the case with the man who shot us, but it it seemed like the right thing to do. And we we dedicated ourselves uh, to Minimizing or preventing bullying in schools, which we believe has a direct connection to shootings, mass shootings, and also to address the issue of the stigma of mental illness, which a lot of people who have been shot in that experience uh, ended up with PTSD. I was diagnosed pretty uh, early on with PTSD, and I, I would say many of the other people there had the same diagnosis. Well, we had this organization, this great idea, but... How the heck do you fund it, you know? Um, And so uh, we gathered with some friends of ours who are friends of uh, KXCI uh, and uh, we discussed options. And so I said, why don't we do a concert? Being the concert freak (laughs) that I am, I said, let's do a concert. And um, long story short, we reached out to Jackson Brown and he was all about it. And he turned me uh, on to his um his manager, Cree Miller. And uh I contacted Cree and before we were done, we had 20, well, actually 15 acts, but but lots of people who would gonna play at the concert. It was headlined by um Crosby and Nash and Alice Cooper, Uh, Nils Lofgren, uh, Oza Motley, Calexico, Jennifer Warren, Sam of Sam and Dave, Jerry Riopelle. It went on and on and on. It was an incredible concert. About 6,000 people showed up at the community center. All of the artists donated their time, even their travel, uh, and we had the most amazing night of healing that we could imagine. I have a firm belief that that music is a healing influence in our, in our culture. It's entertaining. Uh, it's fun. It lifts us up, but it also can heal us. And we certainly needed healing in Tucson. This was just two months after the uh, the shooting when this took place. And uh, I had my doubts as we were approaching it, that it was the right thing to do uh, given all the grief that was about, but uh, I ended up seeing what happened when the, survivors uh, and relatives of people who were killed came and for the first time in weeks danced and smiled and clapped and had a good time and the artists were fantastic they chose music that was very appropriate to the situation and we raised about a quarter million dollars in one night Uh, and that's that launched the um, fund for civility respect and understanding which uh, we we retired um, about a year and a half two ago, um, but it did a lot of good work about bullying issues and uh, mental health stigma. So that's that's how I spent my first two months uh, out of ICU is organizing the Tucson part of that and Cree Miller organizing the the artist uh, lineup, and it was quite a night. Uh, There's a wonderful video that we have of it. Uh, which just shows how devoted I, all of the artists were to saying something really poignant and really appropriate about violence in America. And i uh, just thrilled that they all showed up. And I've established relationships with some of them that last to this day, particularly Graham Nash, who I just uh, fell in love with, basically. He's such a decent human being and was so, so kind to me. Uh, during the concert, we we had two days of rehearsal, so it was it was a lot of fun, watching all of this great array of artists figuring out how to play with one another, who had never, in many cases, played together before. I mean, this is just the miracle of great artistry and musicianship, is that if you really got good ones, they can stand behind each other and just play whatever it is. In fact, Alice Alice Cooper said that other than his own band. The band that played behind him for that concert was the best he'd ever heard with his music it's the band that jackson brown uses and so these are talented people so it was a great night and from there you know uh in 2012 gabby resigned from uh congress to focus on her rehabilitation and, and, and recovery she urged me to run for congress i didn't want to never had any plans to be an elected official that was not my game but after weeks of protest, I finally gave in and I ran and I won the primary against the same guy that almost defeated Gabby in 2010. And then um, I went on to win the general election uh, in the fall. So I served uh, basically a half a term and a full term. And then in 2014, uh, I lost uh, by a landslide of 167 votes. So anyone tells you their vote doesn't matter. I always remind them about that. Uh, And so, you know, people said, you gotta run again. I said, no, I'm done. I I just had planned on running three times and that was it. And so I went back to uh, civilian life, if you will. But it was was an incredible experience being in Congress, especially following Gabby and trying to make sure that her legacy was uh, maintained and that we broke new ground on issues that were important to her and to me.
0: Talk about your work with the January 8th Foundation and this upcoming memorial and the work that's gone into it.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the Memorial Foundation was established in uh, February of uh, 2012. Several of us who had survived and families of people who were killed by then, we knew each other pretty well. We were seeing each other at reunions, if you will, and, and we started talking about what, is it, what do we need to do to have Tucson remember the tragedy of January 8th? I mean, nothing like this ever happened in our community, period. And we could not uh, think that uh, it w- shouldn't be memorialized in some way. So we formed a foundation, I went to Congress, had to dis- disassociate myself from the foundation for my time in Congress. When I returned, I re- got back on the board, and, and currently I'm the president of the board as we as we move towards opening the uh, memorial. The memorial is downtown, right next to the historic uh, courthouse, uh, which is incredibly well restored and just beautiful. And we're on the Presidio side of the courthouse. Um, There was a national uh, search for designs. We narrowed it down with some help from a community group uh, to five and we interviewed and heard presentations from those groups. We selected Chi Salat, uh, an architectural firm out of California and uh, we've worked with them ever since. The county um, uh, is now managing the construction and will manage the memorial ongoing because it's on county land Uh, but it will open uh, shortly after January 8th. We're gonna have our January 8th event virtually this year because of the COVID, but the Memorial will be open shortly after that to the public. And uh, it's a very um, sensitive and I think poignant design. The design uh, includes an embrace, and the embrace is the, uh, the term that we've used to describe the memorial. Uh, it's uh, It rep- represents Tucson's embrace of all of us when after the shooting, it, the, the design of the memorial is kind of an embrace when you walk into it, you feel like you're embraced by both wings of the memorial. Uh, it includes a water feature, which has a waterfall coming over the water, uh, the water feature on both sides of the memorial, underneath which are the names of the people who were killed or recovered. And embedded in the wall, which is made of steel, are symbols for everyone who was killed or wounded that day. And those symbols represent important aspects of their life. And then we put up symbols for the first responders, the medical staff, And then it's surrounded by 32 lanterns on top of which are symbols that represent the history of southern Arizona particularly as it relates to resilience. This is a part of the world that has been resilient for a long time from the Native people who first lived here to their efforts to hold on to their land with the the growth to the west with Mexican government and Spanish government ruling over it. And over all of those decades of time, we've been challenged many ways. We live in a very uh, harsh, sometimes desert, and we've faced a lot of really big issues along the way. So that's what the lanterns represent. So as this concept grew and grew, it became more than just about those of us who were shot that day. It became about this community that we love, that has embraced us, that has endured uh, tragedy and difficulties for decades, maybe even hundreds of years. So it's downtown, it's opening as they say, and we will have the annual event that we've had now since the shooting, which is bell ringing and reading the names of everyone who was shot that day. A prayer from the chaplain from what was then UMC. I'll make a few remarks, it'll be live streamed, Uh, on Pima County government's website or Facebook or both. And it'll also be uh, broadcast live starting at five minutes to 10 on January 8th, uh, Friday, January the 8th. Uh, It'll be live streamed on KVOA TV. And I hope people in Tucson will tune in because it really is a tribute to all of our community that stepped up to help us.
0: You're listening to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. My guest today is Ron Barber.
1: Well, first of all, I want to thank KXCI for inviting me to do this broadcast. You know, this anniversary, the 10th of the uh, the shooting, is a pretty important milestone. And we want to make sure that the whole community is aware of the memorial itself and ways in which they can um, watch the bell ringing ceremony, which will be virtual this year. And then we'd like them eventually to come on downtown and, and take a look at the memorial themselves, take some time to uh, be uh, enveloped by it. Uh, when you walk into the memorial and you walk to either end of it, the walls rise in front of you to the point where they're above your head. I think the walls are about eight or maybe even eight, uh, higher, eight feet higher. Um, And then below it are the symbols and behind it are some water feature. It's a very meditative space. Uh, I've been there a few times uh, in between constructions uh, and I'm very touched by the whole thing as I think most people who have gone there so far uh, feel the same way. This is a memorial that was made possible by the generosity of Tucsonans and Southern Arizonans and some people from outside of Tucson, but mostly Southern Arizonans. Uh, We are particularly grateful to uh, some major sponsors, the Coutts Family Foundation, which is the largest uh, contributor, uh, Tucson Medical Center, uh, Jim Click, uh, Raytheon, uh, other organizations that felt they wanted to help us raise the money to actually construct the memorial. Uh, There are hundreds and hundreds of donors, individual donors, some of whom uh, have pavers with their names on. Um, others uh, contributed to the gardens. We have six gardens, one for each of the people who were killed. Uh, and the gardens are designed uh, to reflect their lives and what was important to them. For example, the John Roll Garden uh, is designed to attract hummingbirds. He was a real hummingbird fan. His wife told us that that was... The, the delight of his morning watching out, looking out at his window while he was having breakfast and seeing the hummingbirds. We have another garden for Christina Taylor Green, the nine year old child who was killed and that's designed to attract butterflies. Uh, that was one of her favorite things to draw. And one of the last drawings that she made was of a butterfly. And so that's how we've designed these um, gardens. Everything about this was designed with input from the survivors, the relatives of people who were killed, and a much broader community coalition. You know, because it's in the Presidio, which is the uh, site of the original Presidio that protected the residents of Tucson at the time, uh, this area, this plaza or Presidio, is important to a lot of groups, veterans groups who have memorials there. Uh, people who have gone back many generations in Tucson who are essentially protectors of the Presidio. We talked to students about the historical aspect of this, the educational component. We had a really broad discussion over several years uh, to design the memorial. And we believe that we've designed it with minimal pushback, if you will because we included people from the very beginning and uh, all the way along. We've responded as best we could to their suggestions and if they had changes to make, we've tried to adopt them. This was going to be and is a community project, both in terms of the funds as well as in the design ideas that we got from this incredible community that we all love.
0: Thank you. Do you have any other final thoughts that you want to include?
1: Yeah, I, I do want to talk about... The involvement of our community in the healing process. I've mentioned already the healing that took place that night when we had the concert at the convention center. But the healing started almost right away, within hours of the shooting. Three spontaneous memorials were stood up by the community one at the Safeway where the shooting took place another uh, at the at uh, Congressman Gifford's office, and the third and the largest at UMC, which I, I insisted that they wheel me out of the ICU to go see it. I was hearing so many incredible things about that memorial. It was filled with, with uh, candles and poems and sculptures and children's drawings. And we had people, mariachis playing every night. And we had a guy who came and played his violin every night. It really became a center of healing and grieving for our community. And uh, now we have the Downtown Memorial, which will serve as a permanent place for our community to remember. Uh, and even years from now, when most people won't remember that there was a tragic shooting in 2011, uh, the Memorial will stand as a, a historic, uh, historical place uh, place where people can remember. And we'll have a website that will explain the symbols and and the story behind the memorial. We want this to be an educational opportunity for children and an attraction for people who come to Tucson to visit. It'll be uh, eventually on the National Memorial Register. And uh, we look forward to having many more people come and and ask questions about this. Um, It's an important and awful event at the same time in our history, but it wouldn't have been a healing uh, event or events without the compassion of our community at large. And uh, to this day, when Nancy and I, my wife and I go out, we don't go out for dinner anymore or to the movies or to a concert, but when we did, uh, inevitably someone would come up to us, sometimes with tears in their eyes and embrace us and say, we're so sorry for what happened. We are so glad you're still around really just precious, precious uh, comments that we take to heart. That's who we are. This is Tucson. And what happened on January 8th, 2011 does not define us. What defines us is what happened in the days and weeks and months and years to follow.
0: Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. My guest today has been Ron Barber, As we're approaching the 10-year anniversary of the shooting that took place on January 8th, 2011 at Congresswoman Gabrielle Gifford's Congress On Your Corner event in Tucson. Ron Barber was Gabrielle Gifford's district director at the time of the shooting and was seriously wounded. He's currently the president of the board of directors for the January 8th Memorial Foundation. A commemorative ceremony will take place January 8th dedicating a memorial at the historic county courthouse created for the victims, survivors, and first responders of the Tucson shooting that claimed six lives. Because of the ongoing pandemic, the event may be viewed on Pima County's Facebook page. It will also be available on KVOA. You can find this in all recent episodes of 30 Minutes on the 30 Minutes program page at kxci.org. Thank you for listening. I'm Amanda Schager.